Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, joined, as always, by... Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. I'm so glad you're here. And of course, we don't have Tom today. Right. Uh, another hair appointment. Tom has got the uh, his hair. I, you you. Uh, we have a guest here. Yes. Uh, brother Dylan Perry, and he's a uh, De La Salle Christian brother. A De La Salle Christian brother. That's right. I have to say it right. So used to saying he's a Christian brother because we have we have a, a Christian Brothers High School and a Christian Brothers University in in uh, our hometown. And so I'm used to just calling it Christian Brothers. But a De La Salle Christian brother. I want to say it right because that's an order. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's I'm so glad you're here. here. Yeah, thank it's you. awesome. Awesome. We got we're, we we are going to do a, like a series of three shows, uh, and uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Brother Dylan's uh, uh, his story, his vocation story, how he ended up. Being a, a De La, a La Salian brother, you know, and that's awesome. Uh, but uh, he's sitting in Tom Dorian's place. And Tom, the thing is, what you don't know, uh, Brother Dylan, is Tom has got perfect hair. I mean, literally. And I think if there was like another, you know, another chapter of the book of Revelation, it might have been about Tom's hair. I don't right. want to get heretical and start, you know, writing scripture or anything. But it's pretty scriptural. It's pretty nice, his hair. <laughs> you know, and so we think there's a cause for sainthood. For his hair, but oh, very and nice. so we call him Venerable Tom. Uh, but Tom's not with us today, so that you could be with us. Oh, yes. well, I appreciate him making the space. For yeah, me. well, we, uh, he does his hair like when he's not when he's not here. I'm going to get you to lean forward more right. in your he's, mic. He's literally either on the show or getting his hair done. Yeah, exactly. One of the two. <laughs> he's got his priorities. He's got his priorities. Anyway, we miss Tom. We look forward to seeing him back. But we are so excited that we have uh, Brother Dylan Perry here, uh, and so um, we're going to talk. I guess in general, I mean, well, just to introduce you, you're in the Midwest district of De La Salle Christian Brothers. Uh, not that everyone knows what that is, but it's like a province or an area. You know, exactly. it's like everything else, uh, religious orders are divided into That's right. regions. We, we are an international order of brothers uh, in 80 countries around the world. And so we separate into provinces or districts. Uh, I think right. there's about 60 around the world. And so... Uh, the U.S. is separated into three, uh, and so the Midwest is one of them. So. And you're there. That's, that's right. That's your place, and that's awesome that you're there. I'm glad you came to visit us here. What province are we in? We are also in the Midwest. Okay. Is, uh, so I'm originally from Memphis, where we are now. Oh, uh, awesome. That's, uh, that's how we, we got to be. So it was the St. Louis district combined with the Chicago and Minnesota districts that... Uh, so yes, that's inside together. baseball. That's, that's right. that is La <laughs> baseball right there, and and I, I, we just lost six listeners. They were listening and they just tuned out. So we don't want to talk like that anymore because we want to keep as many people listening. Uh, not, as not too much history. <laughs> I don't know. There's some fascinating history, and I think we're going to spend our, our uh, a second uh, episode with you and talk a little bit about um, that history and because it's I don't know that we've had a Christian brother on our program before. I, don't, I can't recall. No, and yeah. so uh, 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 this is going to be exciting. We can talk a little bit about uh, that. But uh, I wanted to start, because uh, also just I will tell people we're going to do a third episode uh, really about what you're doing right now. You're a school principal uh, on the Blackfeet Reservation, which is in northwest Montana. That's right. uh, and, and when I heard that, I thought, like, 
I've got some questions. Yeah. I, I just, that's really, I, I'm, I love uh, the, um, the LaSallean brothers. I, I love uh, the Christian brothers and their charism, and I've always been interested in them. Uh, and I, but like where they end up and what they're doing, and then like how that impacts uh, like whatever the local community. And so we'll talk sure. about that. We'll spend a whole show on that. So I'm sure you're going to have some great yeah, uh, stories about the Blackfeet Reservation. So we'll so that's a little teaser. You know, tune in uh, in two episodes. You're going to want to hear that. But let's start first with you, when you're you're a, a Memphis boy. That's right. Were you born and raised in Memphis? I was, yeah. I think, um, yeah, right down the street, St. Francis Hospital. Oh, um, wow. That's not far from here. So, um, yeah, we. Uh, I grew up in Memphis, and um, I've lived all of my life up until uh, 22 there and haven't lived here since. Now, um, would that make St. Francis Hospital, would that be like technically a second-class relic? I think so. Yeah, yeah because... I think once I... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they, 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 they kept all that. Whatever, right. wherever you were, it's like, this is, this is, uh, this is Brother Dylan. This is the Brother yeah. Dylan biohazard yeah. you know, storage. That's right. So, I'm sure everyone, this is, this recording is going to go in that cause for canonization. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure, so so we should be, be careful. careful with what we say. Exactly right. Because that could be problematic. I hope we don't hold up your cause actually uh your life is actually holding up your cause so you know we don't want you to go anywhere anytime soon uh so so i i take it well now were you born catholic i was you know um so just myself uh my and my my twin brother uh, in the family um my my parents um also grew up catholic um went to memphis catholic high school yeah the whole nine yards um, and I think that's, you know, I think we're, we're, we're just beginning to talk about a vocation story. Um, that's a great foundation. Um, having supportive and involved parents, uh, for me, was a huge part. Um, although not, um, I didn't feel that they were super religious when I was growing up, but they, we were involved in our, in our parish life. Um, my, my dad was a uh, usher. And, what parish? Uh, incarnation. Incarnation, um, Okay. Eventually, we moved out to Collierville when I was five. Um, so I'm not sure if we wanted to get. Uh, no, I just just curious. Yeah, we get uh, we can, we hit a bunch of other parishes too. Uh, yeah, in the um, well, you were roaming Catholics like right. everybody else. You spend a little time kind of <laughs> checking it, out the other parishes. Well, I think when we were young, um, finding finding the the part of town that worked for our growing family. There you go. You know, uh, moving around, and we were down in in Mississippi for a few years. Um, as well in Tupelo, so we hit all the Elvis boxes. Oh, there you uh, go! Awesome, and, uh, awesome. His birthplace and uh, and his home. Um, but yeah, um, grew up Catholic, um, and that was a big I think a big part of our lives, a big part of our identity. Now you, up. you kind of mentioned that you were Catholic and that you weren't like like super uber Catholic, or you were, or you kind of. Yeah, I don't think I, what I what I mean is that it didn't seem to me um, in early life that that was like. It was just part of who we were. Right. Uh, now my mom, my mom's family, Polish Catholic from Chicago, so oh, yeah. you have that real cultural piece to it um, from her side. Um, and my grandfather was really involved in in his parish. He um, I grew up in Fraser, and and so he still um, until his death uh, a few years ago, uh, involved in uh, Our Lady of Sorrows and awesome and all that. So historically, um, we were a you know, big part of Catholic schools and 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 parishes. And parishes I, I know and this may shock some people, but like cultural Catholicism, like the the, the culture of Catholicism in a family. 
has always been traditionally very important, mm-hmm. right? And, and a lot of times we've taken it for granted, and I think modern families don't necessarily share those those cultural aspects mm-hmm. as much, and that that's that's problematic because that affects right what your kids are going to grow up and be and do and what they feel Definitely. close to or called. Definitely, and I think what I um, what I mean when I say we weren't super Catholic is that it would just maybe it just seemed like it was part of our lives. Um, it you were every day you were living your faith, and, yeah. and as a kid you probably wouldn't have known exactly. that you were living your faith. Exactly, right? you wouldn't have maybe chosen yourself as an example of like here's a good Catholic kid right That's here. That's right, because we weren't uh, we weren't necessarily you know explicitly. We're, we're sitting around praying the rosary together as a family, but we had meals together. We prayed, um, right. prayed at meals and those kinds Bless of things. Bless us, O Lord, at least, I guess. We knew right? all of it. Uh, even though I think they might, uh, you know, I still had to, that's what's interesting, too, is that I think uh, my parents growing up out of Vatican II, uh, once I started going to Catholic school in high school, ended up do it. I ended up doing more catechizing of my parents in oh, some really? ways. Because they, you know, they grew up in that era where we didn't quite know uh, how to teach uh, teach religion, um, and and so they had they had grade school experience, high school experience, um, but so they knew how to live their faith, but they didn't know how to talk about their faith as right. much. Hundred um, percent. I mean, in in what you're saying is you are not unique mm-hmm. in that way because I mean, as you're saying this, I'm th- sitting in my mind thinking. Man, this sounds like me when I was growing up. Same thing, you know. And we didn't like we we never missed mass because we went to mass. It's just what we did, right? Right. But I don't know that we would have been able to tell you why we didn't miss mass, other mm-hmm. than well, this is a holy day of obligation, and so we have to go. Okay, all right. So we went. And when we were little kids, I don't know if you did you push back at all of of any of that. Did you go like I I don't why do we have to go to mass? You right. know. No, I don't remember um, pushing back too much. Um, yeah, you're we better were... than me already. I can see that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think there was a nice part about growing up in, at the time, now this parish is one of the biggest in, in our di- in this diocese, but um, but at the time, uh, small Incarnation was a small, yeah. very family-oriented, so we just knew people, and um, my brother and I were the the only altar servers for noon mass. So if we didn't go, we were yeah. Uh, we the priest was all by himself. Didn't right. know what to do. That's right. And that also helped. I was really um, got along really well with. Was very close to the the priest uh, at our parish growing up, um, William Cantner. Um, oh yeah, of happy memory. So I um, he actually was a big I think part of my longer term vocation story. Um, we ran into him when he was working at St. James, and I needed a part-time job when I was in college. And he said, oh, you come come work for, for us. We need some maintenance stuff done and things. I ended up working there for two years um, and having basically, in downtime, having great philosophical conversation. Wow. With um, with a priest who had considered being a monk, who had you know who had this this rich inner life. Now, either he's some kind of sly dude, right? Right, or there was something divine in that mm-hmm. in that choice at that time to be to be called there and to do some maintenance work and Definitely. hang out with Father Cantor. Definitely, I think a little of both. I think he 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 knew he had told me, um, or asked when I was young. Oh, you ever thought of being a priest? You ever um, and so it's planting those seeds. Um, of vocation, um, and just as I would say to to the audience, to everyone, uh, ask invitation is the the most yeah. important part of of vocation. Um, talking about and having people consider meaning for their life for any vocation, right? Um, 
you know, we consider uh, why and how um, we're called to marriage or to single life or um, or religious vocations. Um, and so then I think the two things with, with my relationship with Father Kantner was uh, that invitation, that like feeling seen, having those meaningful conversations and normalizing religious vocation. Um, you know, even the conversation that we're having, um, you know, folks talking about um, religious activity, um, but then also seeing brothers and deacons and priests as normal people. Right. Um, we're not. We're not special. Um, I think we just. We just uh, are doing something in a different way. Doing. Doing a different thing. Um, and we're all called to the same kind of um, right greatness. The same. Um, it's our. It's just our baptismal call. So when you, but you, when you, like when were you, you were young, did you feel like any kind of draw or inkling that maybe God had some kind of plan for you uh, that was that was in like the churchy world? You know, in in retrospect, these things always seem much clearer. Right. Um, the. Um, our founder, uh, Saint John Baptist de La Salle, has uh, this idea of seeing things with the eye of with uh, through the eyes of faith. Right. Um, and and so yes, there's clarity in retrospect with some of these things, but um, uh, a lot of also how opportunities present themselves um, that I notice. Um, so at the time, I hadn't, I wouldn't think no. it, but the fact that we went to a religious bookstore and I, I just. Uh, asked to 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 get a copy of the Liturgy of the Hours is like a you know and that that's a monastic prayer and that's oh, yeah. you know part of my life daily now um, and why at like ten years old did I want that book maybe you were just weird it. exactly it's possible. So, there, so, so there were attractions of the heart before mm-hmm. there was a burning within the heart I think so I think in a lot of my life it's like a lot of small steps um, towards things which is sometimes when people ask tell me your vocation story it's not like Paul falling off uh, falling, falling off the donkey and anything. that's a good one yeah right that's a good one right and so it's it's exciting mm-hmm. right lightning and bright lights and meeting Jesus on the road you know right. these are all good things but so often they're what you're describing is this sort of like uh, baby steps towards something that's right uh, and and a, a draw or a feeling that seems to increase over a period of mm-hmm. time and that's what uh, attracted me to the specific order uh, that's the story of our of our order is um, Dillis house said uh, one thing led to another so imperceptibly that had I known where it would lead in the beginning I would have never started interesting God leads us if we are, if we open ourselves to it, um, the spirit takes us in remarkable places. Um, but if we, you know, how how easy we can close ourselves off or try to plan for ourselves, I think in ways that that close us off to those those movements. And so, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of little things that I've noticed. Um, um, if I think about it in the past. Um, connection to devotion different different devotions um i've always been very interested in the rosary um now you mentioned um you mentioned father Kantner as Mm -hmm. having playing sort of a key role here because he actually asked or said did you ever think about were there any other people uh in in your life that might have done Mm -hmm. that uh, early on or uh, you mentioned your parents being good parents and Mm -hmm. just you know going to mass and doing the things that good catholics did right typical catholics 
where were they in all of this? Sure. I think my parents, um, like the presenting opportunities, um, and not in in like explicit ways. And maybe that's what's so great about, um, at least in how I feel about uh, my vocational journey, is they were able to um, not even guide. You know, they weren't pushing, but to to be leave the space open for. Um, for feeling these different ways or having these conversations, um, taking me to, like I said, to the religious bookstore. It was probably stuff that we were just going to do anyway, um, but not saying, hey, I think you should do this or this is, you know, in a way or that... Or I really want grandkids from I, you or anything exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. So ways that if parents say, even, you know, this is who, what I want for your life, they can kind of... Um, squeeze you know squeeze in yeah. a bit so um yeah i think um that them being just really open um about where our lives were both my my, my brother and my lives were going and being uh, just caring that we were doing um and i think i also just saw them caring about people and that for me is the big thing for religious life is just a it's a an extreme way to to be able to uh, to express care, um, to um, to love in a unique way. To, well, so many uh, people have forgotten the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, mm-hmm. right? And so many people don't realize that that is the lived experience of our faith, right? right, uh, right. And and that's going to generate more faith amongst mm-hmm. the people that you're actually caring for. And that's yeah, for me, what's so exciting about and life giving about um, living uh, religious vows is how it. Um, multiplies love um, you know how I get to go we'll talk later about I get to go out to the middle of nowhere and be a new and different witness to um, to to God's love to um, to that incarnational love um, that we're celebrating right now awesome at, at Christmas um, and you know it's just it's um, yeah, and I think that's who we're all called to be. And so so when, when, at what point in time, though, did you start um, to really something said, like, you know what, I need, this is, I really feel like I'm being called in this direction. That fire really started burning. Yeah, right? Yeah. Where you so, can define it in a way to say, like, I think I'm called to be. Yeah. So there's a few, I mean, like, again, little little things where people, and people said, oh, well, you seem like you're really religious or you, and I hadn't thought that that was important to me. I was very academically interested in theology, and I think that was a searching um, in my whole in um, during high school and college, so I was really blessed to be in the presence of so many um, brothers that were uh, around in the schools and, and teaching me um, to to be able to get that that presence and that witness. Um, and then after college, I uh, participated in our our um, volunteer program that I ended up running later. Um, so Lasallian Volunteers, I went to Philadelphia and lived in community with brothers right. while working. That made it seem possible. That made it seem uh, like something like I could, I could wrap my head around. Um, but then I went um, to University of Arkansas for my master's and I was away from it um, and I had to do religious practice on my own and I think that's when I started to realize how important it was to me um, how much I missed um, having a community around uh, to support my religious practice 
Um, and so in some ways that like being away from it um, in a way that I had to, to make so it you, my own. So you did have the, the living witness of the, you, you, you're an alum of Christian Brothers High School. So you That's had right. these brothers that were sort of like, whether they knew it or not, and I think they did, but models of mm -hmm. uh, what you're, they're modeling for you a way of life right, uh, right, that, right. You, th that maybe drew you in there. Um, and I guess I'm just mentioning that because, mm -hmm. you know, parents, it makes a difference where your kids go to high school. It does. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes. not always, but sometimes it's just interesting when you make the choices. And even yeah, certainly that consistent experience, and it makes a difference who you surround yourself with, yeah. um, how, you know, who you spend time with. Um, and so, yeah, for parents who you encourage your um, your students or your uh, your children to spend time with, um, and letting them be open to to making their own choices and, and their own mistakes, uh, because that's what's in me, not a mistake. Um, but then going and being away from it made made it more uh, important for me. And I think that's when I started caring a lot more about my faith. Um, and then it was um, once I, I got a job actually working for the brothers at our national office, and it was only a few months before I joined the discernment program. And Now imagine when you did join that discernment program, nobody went like, we are totally shocked, right, dude, what right, is right. going on? This came out of left field, because exactly. really you were, you were already kind of living the experience. Exactly, yeah, so it's, uh, it's one of those things, I think in a lot of cases where people can see you better than you can see yourself. Um, and so having those conversations and being with people who can reflect you, reflect you to you well is a really important um, for any kind of discernment. Um, you know, having people that can, that can tell you truths about yourself and that see you. One question I have, you know, I mean, you're obviously, for those who are in Radio Land, they don't see it. Brother Dylan's a handsome guy. He's stylish. He's got a great beard. He's got a great sense of humor. He looks like a church well nerd, though. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> he's got a church nerd vibe, but that's in right now. You just right like now. him because he's got a great beard. Like I do. Him. I do. I have great respect for his beard. But what I, the reason I say all this is, you know, if you had decided to pursue a vocation to marriage, it's not like you would have you would have had a hard time, you know, finding, I'm sure there are plenty of women mm -hmm. who, wit women in your life who had uh, expressed interest along the way, right? True. And so how do you navigate that as you're, you're, you're hearing, you know, from God and you're hearing from the church, a call to, to look at religious life, and then you've got, you know, potentially, you know, beautiful women who'd like you to, you know, consider an alternative. All right, let's not go crazy, okay? All right. He's, he's not a calendar guy, you know. It's like, he's like Mr. June, you know. So, some of these people might be listening to the show, so I don't want to. Yeah. Um, Very smart. Uh, but you're right. It's um, it's an interesting thing. It's, I mean, I think of it the same way as I think about any vocation. So just like marriage, um, when you uh, make a decision for towards religious life, um, you you're you're making a commitment um, and just like committing to a person you're you're sort of closing other doors for the sake of a greater openness to um, to what you're choosing and for me there's so much joy in being able to um, to spread and to share my love in the ways that I do um, I I noticed, and it might, might feel a little, like, seem a little supernatural or something, but I, I, because I'm a part of an order that, um, that's dedicated to, uh, to working with children, especially marginalized children, um, I feel 
connected to to young people in a way that like I can I feel like they I feel people open up to me because of my state in life mm. um, that they can tell my um, you know that I don't have other priorities or other um, any like ulterior motives um, in a relationship so I I wouldn't trade that like um, sort of an an openness and an honesty to the way that I'm able to relate to people. Mm. Um, that is, it's nice when really there's nice. not a veil that mm-hmm. you have to maintain, right? That there's like this hidden, there's not like this hidden guy. We don't know. You're right. just able just to kind of be you mm-hmm. to other people. And that really does help. It does. It Imagine does. living life a little more simply, I guess. And so when you know, when I notice those kind having those kinds of meaningful relationships, you know, it, you know, it notice how you are connecting with people, and that um, that helps me to you know to not lament the ways that I'm maybe the ways that are more traditional that I'm not connecting with mm. people. So in this, like, you you made this vocational choice. You, you now, did your parents receive that well? Um, yes, um, I was. I mean, it's a it's a journey for everyone. Sure. I think um, coming to or sort of understanding. Um, right. I think there's a lot of worry. Um, initially, because that's a parent's job. Yeah, exactly. That's a parent's job. Um, did my mom call you before? No, no. I've got, <laughs> I've got nine kids, and so it's our job to worry Definitely. about our kids and if they've made the right choices mm-hmm. and what are they doing every day of their life. Is this good or bad for them? Exactly. Right? And I think well, those are all helpful and like healthy parts of a discernment process is being able to talk about those things. And and so yeah, they, they were initially very supportive. Um, as always, but geez, once my brother and I both made the decision to be educators, they already knew that we weren't going to make a lot of money. Or, yeah. you know, so um, there's a number of things that, you no know, vow of poverty is no big deal. I was already going to be poor <laughs> as an educator <laughs> uh, and working in nonprofits and stuff, the path that I had. Well, that, that is awesome. So. We, we, uh, we're actually coming to the end of this particular episode. We're going to continue this conversation uh, in our next episode with you, talking a little bit more about your vocational call, but really why the Christian brothers and and we'll we'll do that. I I just want to highlight a couple things that you mentioned that stuck out to me. One is this idea of an invitation to vocation. So people are wondering like how do we get more vocations to anything? Well, that invitation is important. And certainly you talked about the openness to a vocational call and how important it is to be open uh to that. Uh and then also who you surround yourself with, how important that is mm-hmm. and all the things that that went into where you are today. These are things that as people are thinking, like, what about vocations in the world and what do we need to add? Uh, these are all things that are important to, to uh, do it. Brother uh, Dylan Perry, thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll see you in our next episode to continue this conversation. In the meantime, let's ask our Blessed Mother to intercede on our behalf. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour, hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.